it's the next level. You need a plan. I want to be on the radio. He wants to be on radio. But to be on the radio, you have to have a voice. You have to have some verbal ability. You hardly ever say a word. I talk. This is ridiculous. I don't understand. You need to grow up. Is that Pat? No way. Oh, man, I love that guy. For the show that's truly too hot to handle, it's the Melting Pack, and it starts right now. You're listening to the Melting Pack. Here's your host, Pat Chapman. Why, thank you, Jerome. Hey, friends, welcome to the show, the Melting Pack, here on the Next Level Network. Today, today's a big day, friends. Today is a big day. If you're new, thanks for coming. The uh, <laughs> the timestamp for the Paul McCoy interview will be in the description if you want to skip right ahead. <laughs> I know why you're here. Uh, yeah, so today uh, <laughs> I did talk to Paul McCoy. I did the thing. I, it's insane. So, uh, yeah, we'll set that up in just a bit. That's going to be the main event. So that'll be the last thing that we do. The last thing I ever do. And then... Um, yeah, and then we'll wrap the show up for that. But uh, before we get there, we got some sports stuff to do. I got some new video games, or actually one. Yes, one. Sorry, two movies that we watched. Um, finally, a new video game I've been playing. My new, uh, hopefully, will turn into an exercise routine. And, yeah, did I say a little bit of sports stuff? Yeah, uh, may have an NBA update from our good friend Danny Schmitz. We'll do a little bit of baseball. Uh, the captain should be back with some more flyer stuff. And uh, news on the XFL. And then, of course, the Paul McCoy interview and the latest song from 12 Stones. So there you go. That, would, that is what is coming up today. Um, <laughs> but first, a quick... Uh, or, okay, two things real quick. Number one, I would like to be able to use GarageBand or a decent equivalent. And the programs that I have found do not have... Uh, the, the Windows equivalent programs, I should say, do not have the interface that I want. They don't have the... Because if you've ever used GarageBand, it's very easy. you got your music loops. You drag and drop into the uh, into the play thing, and you roll right along. You can make a track. We did it uh, years ago, and I really enjoyed it, but I don't have a Mac, and I don't have any use for a Mac other than that. So if somebody has, uh, well, if there is an, a Windows equivalent like this where I can drag and drop and, and do all that stuff, uh, let me know. Otherwise, if you have a Mac laptop that you no longer want, let me know. I will, uh, I'll take it off your hands. Because yeah, that's really, like I'm not gonna go buy a new Mac or you know spend a couple hundred bucks on a, on a laptop when I wanna use it literally for one thing. Like I don't wanna use it for anything else. I don't wanna make the switch to a Mac or whatever. I just want to use GarageBand because I miss it, and it's real fun. All right, so if anybody has uh, any leads on either of those, uh, an old an old laptop you don't want anymore, or uh, or if there's a decent equivalent, uh, the ones that I've used are not very good, so let me know. And, uh, yeah, that would be great. I would be grateful. You can come on the show. 
and call me an idiot for something I say today or any day uh, in return or something. I don't know. Maybe I'll PayPal you some money for pizza. I, I don't know. Let me know. All right. That's something I want to do. All right. Number two, repairs. All right. I've mentioned I'm waiting on the repair guy to uh, to come fix this light so I can get myself back in the right spot here. Still waiting on that. Meanwhile, we had some rain on Tuesday. Lots of it. The uh, The tropical storm I guess, moved its way up here. And uh, so I mentioned that the ceiling in here has leaked. Uh, well, one time has been dripping. One time that I, okay, I should say, one time that I have noticed. Um, it was dripping, just a little slow, drip, drip, you know, like, uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> but uh, Tuesday, I'm sitting here, and, and the way my desk is uh, is situated now, I'm looking right at the far wall. So again, sorry for all the reverb. But, yeah, I'm looking right at it now, and I look over, and I, well, I heard it first. So I'm hearing it, and I'm like, okay, there's a lot of rain. We're going to get some water. So I go over there, and I shared this video on Instagram. I'll try to put it in the show notes, too. Um, it's like a little sprinkler coming from the ceiling, from the top of the wall. And I'm just like, Jesus, Chris, why, what are we doing? Why is it? Why? I don't know what to do. I, don't, I've, I sent the video to my property manager. Uh, she did not respond. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what can happen. Also on the floor, so I've mentioned, I think I have anyway on the show, there is a spot on the floor over there, right behind where the drain is, or right next to where the drain is. And it looks like, you know, water had built up there and just sat there for a while and like nobody did anything about it. Well, and I thought, oh, somebody was being lazy or whatever. And again, probably the people who lived here before us did not use this room like I use this room. They don't sit in it, probably, or probably didn't. So I was like, okay, they're probably just being lazy. Well, no, what I learned via watching it happen in real time is that's just what happens. Like that, the drain uh, does not, uh, well, does not work properly, and it fills, and the water backs up against the house. And, um, yeah, I get a little bit of a mini flood, and there was a little bit of, uh, you know, some puddling going on over there. And now I can see how that... Um, spot on the floor came to be it's not really laziness it's just how the thing goes and i don't know what to do to fix it i don't know um i don't know i, I maybe the solution is bill suggested this i just rip down the wall and reseal it although uh, we also had a leak in the dining room above the window there so uh, i think this is more of a roof problem but i think also you know i don't think the wall is sealed properly and i think that's and i'm, I'm staring at it like i'm mad at it like it's gonna fix itself because i'm angry but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it was done properly. I don't think, I think there are a lot more gaps. Like the repair guy told me a couple weeks ago, um, there are some gaps in the wall there. I think there are plenty more. And I think the only way to really figure it out and get it done right is to rip down the whole thing and start over. The problem is I don't know how to do that. I'm not going to, um, to go in there and do it. Cause you know, if I screw it up, then it really is my fault. So I think what we'll have to do is talk to the, uh, the the people in charge there and say, hey, can we do this? You know, give me a person or, or a group of people who will do this and get it done right. I think that's really the only thing. Well, it's not the only thing. The other thing would be to go up and, and uh, shore up the roof, as it were. But, uh, yeah, so that's what's going on down here. I don't know. I don't know. I sent pictures and uh, and videos. The property manager always wants pictures and and proof of things, so I did that and have not heard yet. That was uh, again on Tuesday. Today for me is Thursday, so we shall see. We had a little bit of rain this morning too, 
So I think it looks okay over there. Um, I don't know. I do not know, but it's not, uh, it's not good. Not good. Hang on. Got to wait. My neighbor's pulling up and blasting his stereo. Hold on. Okay. He's gone. All right. Uh, I guess it was somebody just driving by, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. So there you go. That's the update on the repairs and the somebody showed me how to use GarageBand in 2020 without buying uh, a brand new Mac. All right. Can we do that? Great. Thanks. Okay. So I started this week and I only got to do it uh, once so far because of rain and back pain. Um, I started walking before work every day. I had this thought for a couple of weeks and I was like, all right, I guess I should really do it because, you know, I realized I'm not getting my walks to the bus stop, from the bus stop, to the train, the subway, to up to the office and out for lunch and all this stuff. So I'm not moving around, right? So I figured I got to go out and move around. And Jill's been telling me about this for a while. And, and a couple times we've gone out and, and walked the neighborhood after she gets home. But that's kind of more on her. To, not to say, like, she's in charge of that. But, like, she is on her feet all day at work, and I'm not. So I, I felt kind of bad doing that. So I decided I'll get up before work every day. And uh, basically do the, uh, as it's been dubbed by a good friend of the show, Brian Amato, the Taco Bell trot. So I do that even though Taco Bell's not open when I go there. Um, it's 2.6 miles round trip. And I, I like I did it Monday and it felt great. And I'm hoping to get out tomorrow. Uh, we've had some rain and I had some back pain this week. So I uh, did not uh, get out again yet. But hopefully Friday will be the thing and then I'll be able to pick it up and, and really keep it going. Uh, just because I got to get out and move, I got to get out and, um, and I, like, I miss doing it. Like, I mean, Taco Bell breakfast was the bonus, but, uh, I miss getting out there and doing the thing. So there you go. Working on it. Uh, I did see, so I mentioned, did I mention this on the show that, uh, Taco Bell teased me a little bit? Cause I went to, uh, I guess on, it was Saturday or Sunday. I downloaded the app and I was like, Hey, they're open at nine. Maybe they're doing breakfast. I went into the app and breakfast was not in there. So I didn't go because I was mad, uh, but I walked by the, uh, the little walk-up window they have, and breakfast was, you know, plastered on the side, like, here are the breakfast combos, so I'm going to try today, while you listen to this, I hope, um, or actually, I don't know if I'll have it up before then or not, but anyway, I will try that out, and I will let you know, I know, I've been talking about this for weeks, uh, I hope there's a positive resolution. What gets resolved first, me figuring out that Taco Bell serves breakfast, or this wall gets fixed? I'll give you a hint, it's not going to be the wall. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we will find out, uh, what is going on. You know, they say you're going to come out of lockdown or quarantine or whatever, uh, a hunk or a chunk. And I'm not trying to come out a hunk, but, uh, I do want to be less of a chunk because I feel like, uh, well, let's just say the old pants are getting tighter around here. So I, uh, <laughs> you know, like I said, it's been months of me not really getting those walks in and I underestimated just how good they were for me. So I really need to get out. And, uh, and do that. So uh, speaking of being a chunk, uh, part of what I've been doing <laughs> is um, I've mentioned over the last several shows that I've really taken to streaming on Twitch. And yeah, it's been great for my mental health, not so much for my physical health, I guess, but uh, I'm trying to fix all that stuff. But I started playing a new game called Neon Abyss, and I don't know if it's a roguelite or a roguelike. I don't know the difference. Uh, what I can tell you is that I am having a lot of fun with this game. It's very colorful. The music is fantastic. Um, you basically take control of uh, one of several characters. And every time you jump into this dungeon, this abyss, which is just uh, a labyrinth of sorts, 
Uh, it's different. Every run that you do is different, and you work through uh, seven or eight bosses till you get to the main target, and then you uh, you beat that person or thing, and then you can unlock more stuff. So I'm working on that. I've been streaming it a lot. People have uh, seemed to enjoy it, so uh, I'm having so much fun. You upgrade your weapons all through. There's a, one thing I got the other day that felt like cheating. Um, they're called Pegasus Wings, and if you don't know, you know, Pegasus, the winged horse, you fly around, and essentially you can fly around the whole place, and it really felt like I was cheating, but that got me to the next level there, so... Um, there you go. I didn't have to put in any kind of code or anything. The game just gave it to me. So it's not really cheating, is it? Right? I don't know. Um, yeah, but the music is awesome. It's an old school, you know, side scroller, platformer, um, kind of thing. Graphically very simple, but again, very bright, very colorful. Kind of 80s, uh, late 80s, early 90s kind of game. Super Nintendo, Sega, that era, stuff like that. So if you're interested, again, uh, it's on Steam, so check it out. I don't know. I'm sorry if I mentioned this before, but. Uh, yeah, Neon Abyss is really fun, and uh, I'm really digging it. And I may, in fact, take all of that out because uh, I may have mentioned that already. So there you go. I don't know what I talk about anymore. I have no clue. Uh, Pat, don't you write it down? I do. I do. But I should really review it before. Anyway, um, it's really fun. So other things we've been doing is uh, we watched a couple of movies that people, uh, well, the first one people didn't really tell us to watch, but we wanted to watch it for a while. And then the second one, everyone told us to watch uh, weirdly enough, it was the first one we saw, X-Men Apocalypse. It's just, I mean, we love, uh, you know, superhero movies and stuff like that. They're fun. Um, heard a lot of bad things about this movie over the years. It came out, what, 2016, 2017, something like that. Yeah, and everybody that I knew crapped on it and said, wow, this was a pile of trash. But, uh, you know, a lot of times when people say, hey, this movie is garbage, I find a way, or this show or whatever, I find a way to enjoy it. And that was the case here. I, I found a way. I thought it was pretty good. You know, it was, uh, I guess I'm, I wasn't really putting a lot of stock into the story. I guess maybe that is the, uh, that's where we differ. People who liked the movie and didn't like the movie, maybe, is that a lot of time when I watch these movies, I don't have a lot of attachment to the base material, right? Like I've watched the X-Men cartoon. I've read some of the comics. I've seen some shows here and there. Uh, but I don't have an emotional attachment to the story. I just want to watch a good movie with people using their powers and uh, and all this stuff. And for me, that's what this movie was. I will say I was bothered by um, Apocalypse looking like Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movie. But other than that, uh, yeah, I thought the movie was good. I enjoyed it. It wasn't. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that it's a great movie. I'm not going to put it up in the in like the top tier of superhero movies I've seen. I've seen, but um, I will say I enjoyed it, and it definitely, for me, was not as terrible as everyone said. So there you go. If I lost you on that one, my bad. If I didn't lose you on that one, I'll certainly lose you on this next one. We also watched Hamilton on Disney Plus because everybody was like, "Hey, Hamilton, it's great, and you should watch it, and it's going to be awesome." And we did watch it, and it was fine. It was, you know, people are hyping this up like it's the greatest thing ever. And I'm not saying it was bad, but, um, you know, it was fine. And it's weird. I don't really, I don't like musicals when the whole thing is singing, if that makes sense. Like, I like when the singing kind of comes up throughout the story. Like, um, let's see. Ah, crap. I had one in my head. Rent. All right. How about that? Let's go with Rent. I enjoyed that movie because it wasn't just singing for two and a half hours, right? It was, hey, they're doing the thing and the story, and then 
the songs kind of make their way in and out as the story sets it up, I guess, right? So it's not a full thing of singing. It's not uh, just, you know, two and a half hours of songs. And I don't know, I, I guess that's just not for me. Um, again, I enjoyed the story. It was fine. This is the, the talent was great. Um, you know, everybody crushed it, but, uh, you know, not the, uh, the masterpiece that everybody said. And, uh, I am glad that I did not spend a hundred dollars or more to go see this. Uh, again, enjoyed it, but it just wasn't as good as, uh, as a lot of people hyped it up. Not for me. For me, it wasn't. Maybe just not my cup of tea. Uh, but there you go. So we watched a couple of things and I'm sure I've lost everyone at this point, um, or you skipped ahead to the interview. I don't know. Oh, by the way, I'm going to, uh, you know what? No, I'm, I'm going to save this for next week about movies being, uh, two plus hours long. We're going to talk about that next week because we had a lot to go on today. So we're not going to try to squeeze that in. Maybe that'll be a question. How do you feel about, uh, movies being longer than two hours? Yeah, maybe that'll be for next week. We shall see. All right, we'll do quick sports and then, uh, we will get to the, uh, well, the reason a lot of you were here. <laughs> so last week we were talking about, uh, you know, the Phillies, how they were, Phillies and Marlins were shut down due to uh, coronavirus. And there was a lot of talk about baseball, the season being shut down. That has not happened yet, but there was this week or last week, rather, a big outbreak for the Cardinals. They had, I think, five or six positive tests. So there was some concern there. The commissioner did come out and say, well, you know, we could shut it down if it gets worse, if we don't crack down on these protocols, on guys going out to the bar or restaurants or wherever. Essentially, they are trying to do, Major League Baseball that is, they're trying to keep it uh, contained like everyone else is. And just like everyone else, they are, for the moment, failing. So, you know, again, maybe we shouldn't have done it. We shouldn't really have sports if we can't do it safely, as I've said all along. So we shall see uh, for now. Baseball is still happening. The Phillies bullpen, uh, they're still bad. They're really bad. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you prioritize other parts of the team. Like I said last week, that's going to happen. You're going to have things that uh, don't always go your way, and this is uh, exactly what happens. But the, I think the biggest story of the week, and forgive me, I haven't watched, uh, haven't had time to watch everything because I'm trying to deal with things around the house, and it's a mess. Um, the New York Mets, man. So you went Cespedes. Uh, he opted out of the season due to coronavirus concerns. There's also a report that he didn't want to play because uh, his contract is full of incentives, and he realized with the playing time he wasn't getting that uh, he wasn't going to reach those, so he decided to opt out. The weird thing was he just bounced. Like, he didn't tell anybody. He packed up his stuff, and he left. And for a time, they couldn't find where he was. Now, that's mistake number one on his part. My issue... Uh, well, I guess my other issue is with the team because they put out a statement that said, hey, we don't know where Ioannis Cespedes is. We can't find him or get a hold of him. And so that, of course, sent everybody into a panic because this guy is missing. Maybe he was abducted. Maybe he you know, got lost somewhere. He could be dead somewhere. We don't know. And then he came out and said, you know what? No, I opted out. Uh, all right, see you later. And so that irresponsible on his part to not tell anybody like anybody, like a teammate or coach, somebody. Didn't tell anybody. So that's against him, number one. Number two, the Mets came out and said, hey, we don't know where he is. And it wasn't like, hey, can you help us find him? It was, hey, we can't find him. We're not sure what's going on. Don't That, that was irresponsible, right? I'm not saying what he did was okay, but the team 
did not do the right thing by saying, hey, this guy is uh, essentially missing. And yeah, we'll be back later to update you. They should have waited till they found him and said, oh, hey, Yoannis Cespedes opted out of, uh, well, what they could have said was, hey, Yoannis is out today. He's not playing. Uh, he's injured. They should have done that and, and not had everyone go into a panic being like, oh, my God, is this guy okay? Uh, instead, he just bounced like a jerk and uh, and didn't want to play anymore, which, again, not wanting to play in this season, this, uh, you know, in these uh, uncertain times, I hate that, I'm sorry, um, is okay, but you got to be an adult about it, right? Just be like, hey, listen, coach, GM, agent, whoever, just let them know I'm not playing. That's all. You could have avoided this, but hey, it's the Mets. That's what happens. All right, so there you go. That's your baseball again. Sorry, I've been uh, caught up doing other stuff, but uh, there you go. So we may, at this point, have an update for uh, for you from the NBA bubble. He's not there. Uh, my uh, my update guy is not there, but my good friend Danny Schmitz may be joining us uh, in a second for the NBA update. If not, you'll hear something else. But for now, let's try to turn it over, keep our fingers and toes crossed that he's able to get this done to let us know what is going on in the NBA. Good sir, take it away. Hey, what's up, Melting Pat? This is your consistent NBA update guy, Danny Schmitz here, uh, with the new NBA update bubble edition. Uh, we're a little over halfway through the eight seeding games, and things have been going pretty well inside the bubble. No player has tested positive since entering the bubble. Uh, it's amazing what wearing masks and following social distance guidelines can do. I'm looking at you, Southern States. Anyway, no real surprise at the top of each conference. We still have Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston at the top of the East, and the LA teams in Denver at the top of the West. Uh, no real changes there. The real race for the playoffs is happening at the bottom of the West, with six teams still having a shot at the eighth and final spot. Uh, remember, you only need to be in ninth place uh, within four games of the eighth seed to force a play-in tournament. It's a best of three series with the eighth seed being given one win to start. So the eighth seed needs to win one game while the ninth seed would need to win two. Memphis is currently in eighth in the West, but Portland is right on their heels and uh, they're already within that four game margin. Portland is looking really good. They're healthy and rested and I think they're looking like the best team of that, uh, the six teams in the West that still have a chance. The others being Memphis, of course, San Antonio, New Orleans, Phoenix, and Sacramento. Interestingly, Phoenix is the only remaining undefeated team since entering the bubble of those six Western playoff teams, but they might be too far, uh, too far behind to catch Memphis or Portland. Though it is mathematically still possible. So it should be interesting to see how things shape up there, and uh, I think we're all looking forward to getting to playoff basketball. Unless you're a 76ers fan after the news of Ben Simmons. Uh, you guys have had a rough season. Sorry, Pat. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon with uh, more NBA updates. Why, thank you, sir. And if you uh, were unable to do the thing, then you heard a sound effect or uh, or Tim's had. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that'd be nice to know. A lot's going on in that bubble. And apparently the NBA is doing it right because they have not had any positive tests since July 29th. So, and that was as of like two days ago. So maybe that's changed. I hope not. But as far as I can tell right now, the bubble approach seems to be working and we'll get to the captain in just a second. But first news came out this week that the rock Dwayne Johnson is part of a group that bought the XFL. And I think this is cool. I enjoyed the little revival. You know, the games weren't great, but it was decent. The games were decent. Uh, if you enjoy watching sports and stuff, if you like football, 
this is this was for you. And um, apparently the deal was fifteen million plus. Uh, I think they owed eight and a half million in debt, so I believe the group has paid that, and now they have it. So whenever football can happen, we should be seeing the XFL. Uh, apparently they want to keep it to eight teams for the moment and maybe expand as they go further. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there you go. The XFL uh, appears to be back at some point. Well, you know, COVID nineteen permitting, the XFL will be back. One thing that I really hope comes back, and I really hope that the, that the NFL kind of pilfers this too, is the replay review. When they had a review, they had you know a split screen. They had the referees on one talking about what's going on, and they had the little iPad. They're watching it, and the other side of the screen was the replay official in the booth going over the play, talking about, hey, here's what we're looking for. Here's why we're not doing this. Here's why we're overturning it. Here's why we're not. Whatever. I thought that was awesome. Let us know exactly what's happening so we can be like, oh, well, now that I saw the process, I may not like it. It went against my team, but it made sense. Thanks for that. I don't think the NFL will ever bring that in because then, well, they'll expose too much about themselves, I think. But uh, as far as I know, the XFL... Um, actually, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. The XFL, I hope, will bring that back. So there you go. The XFL at some point, this is the XFL. Not that XFL. He's done with it now, as far as I know. <laughs> there, But there you go. Um, that's your news with the sports things from me. And now we turn it over to the captain for the Flyers. Good, sir. What is going on in that bubble? The floor is yours. Take it away. Hey, Flyers fans. Mark back at you again with another Flyers playoff update. Yeah! Woo-hoo! Guys, I am excited to steal one of Tom McGinnis's, uh, you know, lines from our sister team, the Philadelphia 76ers. Gotta love uh, Tom McGinnis. Does just such a great job. But I am excited, and you better get excited if you're not. Guys, the Flyers got out of the pause into the playoffs like nothing even happened. The Flyers are arguably the hottest team right now in the NHL, keeping it going. I mean, obviously I'm biased, but all all the pundits are talking about the Flyers right now. So let's do a little, little bit of a recap. So the Flyers were in the round robin in the East. They ended up taking on Boston for their first game. Ended up spanking Boston. All right, spanking them. Just it was no contest. Four to one. Now, just so you remember, Boston was the number one seed in the Eastern Conference before coming into this, so the Flyers handily took care of them. Then, everybody thought, eh, maybe it was just Boston playing a little sluggish. The Flyers end up taking it to Washington and end up beating them 3-1 to one and making them look the same way. So, hmm, some alarms go off like, hmm, are these top teams just looking that bad or are the Flyers just that good? We will see. The Flyers are going to finish up the round robin today, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is going to be a really hard test. If the Flyers win, they are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. If they lose, they're the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. Not too bad, to be honest. They pretty much uh, have jumped two spots guaranteed, and that is incredible work by them. Now, just to look ahead uh, at what the first round match is going to be. So Toronto and the Blue Jays, they are tied up 2-2 two to two in their best of five series. So the Flyers can either play Toronto or the Blue Jackets if they get the second seed, or they're going to play the Canadians if they get the first seed and beat Tampa Bay. The Canadians, they went 2-1 and one in the season against them. 
Toronto, they went 2-0-1. And the Blue Jackets, they got the season sweep. They went 4-0. So let's see what happens. The Flyers are hot right now. Both goaltenders look like they got it, and they're dialed in. So I am excited about how this team is playing. Let's see how they can finish. If they win today, remember, going fourth in the conference to number one, taking the top seed in the Eastern Conference, and going to get it rolling. Guys, get excited, have fun, watch the game, and I hope we get tomorrow an action-packed day of the Flyers taking the number one seed. So, guys, that's it for me here inside the Melting Pad on Next Level Radio. Why, thank you, Captain, unless you weren't there, in which case uh, you heard another sound effect or something else. I don't know, but there you go, the Melting Pad, the Next Level Network. That uh, That's it for basically the stuff that I have to tell you. I didn't think I was going to be able to kind of breeze through that as quickly as I did, but there you go. I did the thing. Yeah. All righty. Now on to the reason many of you were here. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. You see me tag the band on Twitter like, hey, I talked to Paul McCoy. You're going to want to skip right to that. So get to right around this part of the show. And there you go. We'll, again, the timestamp will be in the description. But many of you probably skipped ahead right to the thing. So yeah, this was uh, insane. I reached out to, well, first of all, I misspoke when I was talking to Paul. You'll hear this in a second. Um, I emailed their PR guy or I found an email address on their Facebook page like, hey, let me reach out to this person in like June. And I was like, hey, can I have them on the show? Or no, I think the question was, can I play their music on the show? And I didn't hear anything back. And I was like, okay, whatever. It happens. No problem. So then a week ago, I tagged them on Twitter, tagged the band, and I was like, oh, I wonder if they'll let me play their songs on the show. And they responded, and I learned, and you'll learn, this was Paul responding, and he's like, hey, this uh, that sounds good, let's do it. And then I was like, hey, other thought, why don't you come on the show and talk about it, like have a conversation? And he's like, yeah, dude, that sounds great. And so, yeah, that was all on the same day, by the way. So I found out about that, and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be able to talk to the lead singer of this band that I've been a fan of for two decades. And uh, I would like to say that during this conversation you're about to hear, I held it together like a true pro, but I didn't, I did not. (laughs) I just didn't do the thing. Um, But yeah, we went through a whole bunch of stuff and it was a great time. We went through, um, you know, what it means to be an independent band now and having to deal with all that kind of stuff yourself at this point, trying to, um, write songs and record songs in these uh, in these weird times. And, of course, we did talk about Bring Me to Life. We brought that up. Uh, I learned something about him that you will learn in just a bit. We talked about, you know, I, I played all the hits, the songwriting process, the playing live shows versus recording, all that stuff. I asked him about uh, a song that they did, or, I'm sorry, a song of theirs that was used in wrestling. So we talked about that. And, of course, I had him tell me all about their new song, Sever, and then we played that. And after the credits, you will hear me ask him the bonus question. So stick around for all of that. But for the moment, this is me talking to, huh, I, can't, I can't believe it's really happened. The uh, the lead singer of 12 Stones, Paul McCoy. be honest with you i'm uh, i'm shocked this is actually happening but thank you for doing this oh yeah it's my pleasure man i'm uh i'm always looking forward to talking to new people and just seeing what's out there 
Yeah, it was weird. Like I, I sent an email to somebody on your Facebook thing. I was like, oh, let me reach out because you, I had seen that you said, hey, we're independent now. We're doing the thing. And I was like, oh, that sounds like an open door for me to maybe play your stuff on the show. And then, you know, that didn't happen. So I tagged you on Twitter and heard back from you that day, which is insane. Yeah, I've been, I've recently just took over all the socials. So um, if you didn't hear back from the 12 Stones Facebook page, I hadn't gotten to that yet. I guess, but I basically do everything myself from working with the company to design the website, the new merch, writing the songs, doing handwritten lyrics. Like I'm just 14 plus hours a day dealing with 12 stones and everything related. So I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad I saw it because I don't have alerts for my Twitter. So I have to like manually check it. So I recently set that up to where I get alerted when people comment or whatever. So. And how is that working? Like, because there are a lot of people who comment on all your stuff, and you got to sift through all those. How many of those do you get a day? Uh, a lot. That's why my <laughs> notifications were off. <laughs> That's why I didn't want my phone to just explode in my pocket from from going off. It, it's a lot, you know, and a lot of it doesn't really need a reply. A lot of it's simple, like, love your music, keep rocking, stuff like that. And I just, you know, go and like it. But I try to engage as much as I can and be real and be, you know, not just like, hey, there's a band out there that's unattainable. It's like, you know, we're just normal music-loving dudes. So I try to do as much as I can. But uh, it's uh, it's definitely a challenge. to when, when I get done with Facebook, then I look at Instagram, then it's Twitter, then it's emails, and it just seems to never stop. So so you used to have – did you have someone else doing that before you went uh, – rebelled and went all indie? You know, uh, we had – we've been on – three different record labels over the last 18 years. And we, we've had everything from management to booking agents to record label executives and accountants and all the other stuff. And I guess they were supposed to do some of it, but I guess it was kind of always on us, at least on the social media side of things, uh, to keep up with it. And we were just terrible. You know, we spent a lot of our time partying and living the dream as it <laughs> as it is and realizing and i got sober like two years ago and uh oh good for you thanks man and i just it just like opened my eyes to like how poorly our brand was being run as a business you know it's all fun and game we got signed when i was 19 so i got a record deal when i was 19 and thought i was on top of the world and i didn't have to worry about anything and then here it is 18 years later and i'm looking into all the all the aspects of this industry. And I'm like, man, I missed all of this. Like, I didn't have a clue as to what all had to be done. So it's a good challenge to go independent and do everything on our own. But it also gives us that creative freedom and that one-on-one -on -one with our fans. And for the merchandise, I'm like, what do you guys want for merchandise? You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to wait for somebody in a suit to tell me, oh, we're not doing that, we're not doing this, you need to have a song that goes like this, you know, none of that. It's like, we can do what we want, and I use the interaction with the fans and with friends and family to kind of gauge what's working and what's not, you know. Oh, that is awesome. The new website looks great, by the way. I ordered a face mask this morning, so I'm excited for that to get here. Very cool. Yeah, that was one of the things, like, I, I wasn't sure about you know, with the mask, everybody, I was like, what kind of merch do you want? And so many people were like, you have to have face masks. And I'm like, okay, I didn't even think about that. So that was one thing we added in based off of social media comments, you know, and just trying to 
trying to, we haven't had merch or a website and that was the whole thing. I, I didn't even realize we didn't have a website because we were just so oblivious to everything other than just writing and playing music live that I didn't realize I went to type in 12 sons.com and it was like, try to buy this from GoDaddy. And so I contacted an old record label owner and said, Hey, what's up with the website? He's like, Oh yeah, we just, you know, nothing ever happened with it. So I bought that back and (laughs) had it, had it redesigned and rebuilt with a, a really cool company here in Nashville, Yarder marketing. They did our whole site for us and it was really cool. And then, then I realized we haven't had t-shirts for sale in probably eight years. (laughs) So I just was like, let's just revamp everything. Let's just, let's go to work. So I just did some digging, called around, found some cool designers. And I mean, I'm doing everything from having the artwork for the albums designed uh, using like Fiverr online. It's a cool little spot where you, all these independent artists that do these things for a living, you can reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm, I'm with this band. We have a new album that we're about to put out. I need some artwork. They'll give you a quote, and then you just go back and forth. The person that designed our our uh, cover for the new song "Sever" is uh, a girl in Romania, and we just went back and forth over the internet and compared notes and came out with a a cool cover. That's amazing! Like that, like so much behind the scenes stuff that certainly I don't know about, but you were you were in it and had no idea of all the all the extra stuff that happens. That's kind of uh... I mean, it seems like it's been quite an adventure for you to figure all this stuff out, no? Oh, it's been wild. It's it's like I literally have a couple of black and white composition notebooks that are just littered with information. And my girlfriend's actually going to school to be a audio engineer here in Nashville. And I like to sit and look over her shoulder during classes, during the business classes and stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's that's what that means. That's how that works. So I literally... If I don't know, I Google it and then I just email people. I don't expect to get responses, but I email, I reach out to people and say, Hey, would you be interested in doing this? How do you think about doing this? And, you know, and, and I get a pretty surprising amount of uh, responses from that. So it's been, it's been pretty, pretty crazy these last couple months just trying to get a grasp on what it takes and, and how many hours. And, you know, it obviously takes a team, but right now I'm kind of flying solo doing everything that I can to, to um, you know, because kids these days, we've been around for 20 years. So the modern music listener, our fans are a little older. And then the newer fans have never heard of us, even though I did the Evanescence song. They'll know that, but they don't know anything <laughs> about 12 Stones. So it's like, oh, wait, no, you're that guy that said, wake me up a whole bunch of times. Okay. <laughs> and now I want to check out your stuff. So it's kind of kind of crazy. I'm glad that came up. I kind of wanted to ask you how many times or how often do people ask you to like when you do a show? I mean, you can't do them now, but when you would do a show, how many times do people ask you to sing that song? You know, a lot. It's weird. <laughs> like people would request it and then I have to explain like that's not 12 Stones. You know, we, we just happened to be on the same record label at the time and they showed us a demo of the song and they the record label was like, you know, we're looking for a, a male vocalist to do like a rap rock kind of thing and we're reaching out to you know at the time they were reaching out this is early 2000 so 2003 i think they were looking for like uh jacoby from papa roach uh, mike shinoda from lincoln park uh josie from saliva like all these guys that kind of did that rap rock kind of vibe and i jokingly said 
And if you can't find anybody famous to do it, I'll do it. And then a few weeks later, I got a phone call and said, you're flying to L.A. You're going to be on the song. And I was like, cool. And I didn't think anything else of it because that was their first single. You know, it wasn't like they were an established band. We didn't know if it was going to be great or be terrible. So I flew out there and spent like an hour in L.A. in the studio. And then I flew back to Texas to join up with my guys for a tour we were doing with Seven Dust. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history. We were on Jay Leno a few weeks later. And now they're still, I've been looking at the rock charts on iTunes. They're still in like the top 50 today, like for, for that song. So, so you get like a quarter every time somebody buys it or streams it on Spotify? No, I wish I did. I wish I did. Uh, I would be in a much, much different position in life had that been the case. But uh, no, they they wrote the song. I just happened to perform it. So I get like once a year, I get a check, a little check for uh, my performance side of it. But, I, you know, again, I got all the exposure and, you know, it helps promote 12 stones when people put the connection together. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to win a Grammy in my early 20s and that's something I always have, you know, I can always cherish, be like, cool Grammy, Grammy award winner, you know, kind of, it's always a cool thing. I don't think I've ever had a Grammy award winner on this show. So that's, wow, that's even more clout for me. <laughs> there you go. See, everybody wins. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned you used to do live radio. Uh, I can't remember if that made this recording or not, but anyway, um, yeah, I did that as well. I did a, uh, for an independent station for four years and 12 stones was heavily featured and so when you guys, uh, when you reached back out to me, be like, hey, yeah, I'll do the show. I was like, wait a minute. This is a band I've been a fan of for two decades, and he's going to come on the show. So sorry if I'm geeking out a little bit, but uh, no, yeah, not this at is all, kind man. of insane. I, you know, I, I, love, I love music. I love live music. I love the, the art of recording and writing. And it's always intrigued me. And, you know, like I was saying, I don't know if it made the recording or not, but you know, everybody's a local band somewhere. So what I wanted to do in, in New Orleans, where we're from, is, you know, there was always the the modern rock station. It was like still playing Nirvana constantly. And I'm like, wow, you know, let's give some other people a chance. You know, there's so many talented musicians all over the world that that just don't have the know-how or the financial backing or the ability to get their music heard in, in a broader spectrum. So... I was fortunate enough to have a really cool radio station in New Orleans, uh, Rock 92.3, and they gave me a weekend show on Sundays called NOLA Rocks, and uh, and I just featured all as many local bands as I could and uh, tried to get them a little bit of airplay. But I pre-recorded the show like a week in advance, so when the show was actually airing, my phone was blowing up from friends that were in bands like, hey, can you play us next and give me a shout out? And it was hard to explain to them, like, I'm not actually in the studio right now doing this. Like, you know, it was, it's recorded. But, yeah, it was a cool thing. And then I did that for a little while. And then the station kind of changed formats as they do at times. And then not too much longer, they came back with it and had a different host. So it was just cool to see the musical community come together and, and help each other out. Yeah, that's so cool. Because, yeah, not everybody has the, uh, I think the most important thing would be the money, right? To get featured on where on playlists or wherever. they Some places do make you pay for that. So it's it's cool when somebody can just be like, hey, I can feature your stuff and we can talk about it and, and do all this and get your name out there to however many people happen to hear it. Yeah, and that, and that was the thing, you know, it makes everybody involved work harder to promote not only themselves, but 
the community. Um, you know, if, if you're trying to get your song on the station and it, we don't charge you anything, you just got to send us a decent recording and give us a little backstory on, on what the situation is. And then you're going to tell all your friends and family, hey, tune in Sundays at seven and, and you'll hear us. And then when they do that, they're going to hear the other bands. And then that's how I've known a lot of people that have started working together, you know, like, hey, well, let's do some shows together. And then, you know, it really just really builds the musical community. And um, I, I hope that a lot more people can, can do that type of thing. It's, it's good to have, like I said, it doesn't matter how much notoriety you get. Everybody started at one point. Everybody had their first show. Everybody recorded their first song, you know. So everybody's a local band somewhere. And that's that's how I've always viewed it, you know. We try to, the bands that I like, that I listen to, that are from our area, whenever we play a show back home in New Orleans, we try to get those bands on on the show with us because i mean there's nothing better than than playing with a group of friends and, and sharing a stage and, and building that moment that's so cool like you can go back and get all your buddies back and be like yeah we it, it's cool like they everybody kind of helps each other out and just be like yep we're all gonna do all this stuff together and get ourselves heard and make some money hopefully and really just have a a great time hanging out with our buddies yeah, I mean it's 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 pretty much like a big house party that uh that, that like people show up to and and enjoy. Like I've discovered so many bands because whenever we would tour all the time, we used to tour about 300 days out of the year. We were always in a different city, you know. And a lot of other bands I noticed like they stay on their bus or in their van or in the dressing room until it's showtime and they go and do their show. They mingle a little bit and then they head on to the next one. I was such a fan of music that I literally would go watch every band that opened the show. And I made a lot of connections and a lot of friends by just watching bands. Like I saw the band Nothing More play in a tiny little hole in the wall in this tiny little town in front of like six people. And they blew my mind. I was like, this band is going to be huge. And that was over 10 years ago. I mean, that was a very long time ago that I saw them. And now, you know, it's nothing more. It's like one of the biggest rock bands of the last several years. And they always impress. They always do that. But had I not shown up to this hole in the wall venue to just watch bands, period, I never would have, you know, seen them in that environment and gotten to know them. You know, so it's, it's just you never know who you're going to run across. They always tell you as a performer, like, regardless if it's five or five thousand people watching you you know give it your all because you never know who's going to be watching well it's same for the for the spectator you never know who you're going to stumble across if you're not paying attention so it's kind of how radio works too it's like yeah you're going to do the same show whether you have five listeners or 500 and i'm like yeah i honestly don't know how many people listen to this so sorry i can't give you a little count on how many people are going to uh are going to hear this but yeah it's like just do the same thing you're you're out for having fun and hopefully make some friends along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we all love music or we wouldn't be doing the things we do. I'm very fortunate enough to be able to have had a long career in this industry. And, and you know, some of my favorite memories were watching versus playing. You know, I got to go on tour with Seven Dust. And those guys, when we did our first tour ever, every night after we get off stage, one of the guys would pull us aside and say, hey, that was great tomorrow think about this and they like basically like put us through boot camp on how to be live performers and that like changed my whole entire perspective on music and they didn't have to do that 
they didn't owe us anything. You know, we they were just there and were supportive of all the other musicians. And it really made, shaped me and how I approach other artists and other musicians and and trying to like cultivate a community and make it a you know make it a family. So I mean, that was 18 years ago. And I still remember it every single day. Every time I pick a microphone up and go on stage, I think about the little tips that LeJean told me. And he may not even know that, that he had that impact, you know. It's not like something we bring up all the time. But, you know, little things like that make such an impact on people. It's just, you know, a little bit of love goes a long way. Yeah, you always remember when people are cool to you, right? When people help you out, you're like, wow, that really stuck with me. And, yeah, like you said, he didn't have to do that. They They didn't have any kind of uh obligation for that but they went out and did it and helped you uh create this uh this wacky life you're living right yeah exactly and you know that goes both ways too like you always remember the people that help you out and treat you nice but equally as important you remember the ones that don't and that's what shapes you to not be a jerk and not be a rock star or uh, anything like that you know because i've met some people that I was such a fan of their music. I'm not going to name any names, but I've met a handful of people that I love their band. I love their music. I was such a fan. And then I got the opportunity to meet them and they were just horribly rude human beings. And it made me like not even want to listen to the music anymore, you know, and maybe they were having a bad day. Maybe who knows? People are human. But those things also stick with you when you're like, man, I, I, I used to sing this song all the time driving in my car. And then I, just went to shake your hand and you looked at me like I was the devil, you know, and you wouldn't even like you scoffed at me. Like I was just wasting your precious time and soaking up all your oxygen. So, you know, it, it goes both ways. It's just try to try to learn how to treat people and be appreciative of the fact that, you know, tomorrow's not promised. You don't know if uh, people are going to like what you're doing or be a fan or turn on you or what, just do it for the love and, and, Try to be a decent human being. So the lesson is just don't be a jerk. Seems exactly. Simple. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you would you would think you would think it gets lost in translation, but yeah, man, just be a dude. Be a dude. Be a cool dude. That's all you got to do. Just just be nice to people. It's really not that difficult. Yeah, yeah. You would think. You would think. <laughs> so you've mentioned you've you've been around the block a few times. I would say uh, you've got you know five albums under your belt. You've played countless shows over the years between them between creating in the studio making an album making a song or playing them out in front of people is there one that you prefer over the other yeah i mean i prefer playing shows live i there's nothing quite like that feeling of the interaction and every show is different you know because every crowd is different you know everything is its own unique entity its own situation so that was like the best high i ever had in my life was that interaction, that moment of that one hour or whatever that we're on stage and looking out and seeing people with their eyes closed, singing the words that you wrote in one of the darkest days of your life and people that are just losing their minds out in front of you. And that, that energy just can't be replicated. There's there's no substitution for that. So to be able to have that moment as many times as we did, I, I count my blessings every day. I, I do love doing writing and recording. It's hard to capture any kind of energy when you're in a soundproof booth with headphones on trying to make sure you're the right distance from the microphone and you're not moving or, you know, doing things. So, you know, just that live energy that you get from 
being on stage and, and cranking the guitars to 11 and just screaming until <laughs> you're bleeding in the throat. You know, that's, <laughs> that's my, that's one of my favorite feelings on the planet. That's one of my favorite questions to ask musicians. Cause I'm a, I'm an amateur musician myself and I've played a handful of times and I always like hearing people say, Oh, I love it. I love it. Cause I'm on the other end. I hated every bit of it. <laughs> like it was not for me in the slightest, but I love when people just talk about how much fun it is and how great the energy is coming back. And it's, uh, I like that you described it that way. Yeah. I mean, my, my brightest memory of, of us and that first high that I got from it, we were playing the house of blues in New Orleans. It was one of our first sold out shows. We were only like maybe a year. We had just put out the first record not long before it. So the, the hype was still pretty strong, especially being, you know, our hometown. And we were playing the house of blues in New Orleans and the, the curtain was closed while we were sound checking and doing everything. And no one told us that it was showtime. You know, we're up there stretching and high fiving and let's, let's kill it. Let's do it. And then that curtain opened and people saw us there and the, the level, the DB level of noise that hit my eardrums from those people, the sheer excitement and just chaos that came our way. I thought there was a bomb going off. I thought it was a train coming. I didn't know what was happening. And I just froze. And I've been chasing that feeling for 18 years now, trying to get, trying to recapture that just rush of adrenaline and just insanity that, that hit my eardrums. It's something I'll never forget. Oh, dude, that is awesome. That is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. All right. So uh, another question I love to ask musicians, because I love hearing how songs come together. So when you sit down to to write a song, you come in with lyrics and say, hey, we're going to try this today. Does somebody come in with a guitar riff or a bass riff and say, hey, let's try this? How does it work when you go in to put a song together? How does how does that process go? For me, I personally, I usually write the guitar parts first. I'll sit down with a guitar, whether it's an acoustic for some of those ballad or slower songs, or if I just plug in and crank up to 11, and I'll come up with riffs that I like. And then once I have like a little blueprint idea of like, okay, this goes with this, then I'll go to Eric, my lead guitar player, who's the other original member of the band. Uh, I'll go to Eric and say like, all right, here's the riff. And I'm not like classically trained or anything, so I'll play the riff as I write it, and then I show it to him, and he's like, I know what you're doing. I know where this goes. And then he just turns it from a caterpillar to a butterfly, you know? So I always go music first because I like the music to to invoke an emotion in me so that when I do start writing lyrics, it's based off the emotion that the music creates, and then then it can build from there because... You know, if if you got a, a slow song, but you're writing meaningless lyrics, it doesn't seem to connect in my mind emotionally to the listener. So I always like to just hear the music first and kind of get an idea for what emotions are pulled out of me by hearing that music. And then I'll write based off of that. And speaking from experience, writing lyrics first is way harder. Yeah, I mean, no, that's how <laughs> Jim Morrison did it uh, back in the day with The Doors. He would always write poetry and then kind of he would sing them to a melody so that he didn't forget them and then the band would listen to him sing a melody and put the music around it so that's uh and i'm always open to hear how everybody else does it too i i've always been intrigued by people's songwriting their process 
I know some people that that write lyrics first and they have a melody and then they kind of create the ambiance around it. But I've always been one to like, let's dig into the emotion first and then see where that emotion dictates us to go lyrically. Yeah, a lot of times for me, like I've, I think I've done one where the lyrics came first and everything just kind of magically flowed out after. But most of the time it's either I'll pick up my guitar or I'll just make weird sounds with my mouth and hope, hope that something comes out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trust me, I, I'm no stranger to that. My uh, voice memos on my phone is just overflowing with noises that if I showed anybody else, they would be like, what are you doing? But I know what I'm supposed I know what I hear in my head and how it's going to sound eventually. So, uh, you know, I just use my little notes to remind myself, oh, this melody should go like this, you know, or just hum a guitar part and then figure out how to play it. <laughs> like, yeah, I know where this idea was going, but like somebody else would have no clue what's going on. So if you, you'll just get a voicemail like, and show it to somebody and you'd be like, what are, what are you talking about? Why are you doing this? Right. That's the beautiful thing about Eric and I's relationship. You know, we were two of the founding members and there's two remaining guys. And uh, we, we can we have that mental telepathy. We're like, I can I could literally send him me making ridiculous noises. And he's like, oh, you're trying to do a slide guitar here. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. You know, and like he, he can hear like where the changes are. So we just kind of have that unspoken bond of Hey, let me write this, and then uh, you know, or if he sends an idea, it's like, oh, I know where this goes, and we just, we really don't even have to talk about it. We can just get in a room and go, here's the song, here's how it's gonna be, and we've gotten to the point, you know, back in my drinking days where we would sit in a room and just record on a phone ideas, and then the next day listen to it, and it sounded like dying cats, <laughs> but we still both knew where what we heard and where it was supposed to go. So it's kind of funny to like just be able to communicate that way and be like, yeah, you don't hear it, but we hear it and we know what it's going to be. And then when we get into the studio, we, we, you know, mold it like clay and we get it all where we want it. And then the finished product comes out and it's like, yeah, that's what I heard this whole time. And all you heard was a bunch of screeching in an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Like, that's a benefit too, the way you and Eric can just kind of play off each other. It's a benefit of working together. What? 18, 19 years now? Yeah, we met in 2000, so it's, yeah, 20 years 20, now. wow. Yeah, we did our first record in 2001, and it came out in 02. But, yeah, we've been friends for 20 years and uh, still going at it, so pretty crazy. Somehow not sick of each other. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things, like, I moved to Nashville uh, at the beginning of the year, and so it's nice, like, modern day technology we can still communicate through emails and skype and things like that and and still communicate the ideas and the new song that we uh just put out sever is uh he recorded his parts in louisiana i recorded my parts here in nashville and you never know that it wasn't in the same room the wonders of modern technology man that's so cool it is cool <laughs> We are going to talk about, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make you talk about the new song. But um, I want to talk about a song that came out a few years ago called We Are One. And it was uh, used in WWE. So I have a question about that. Did All you right. write that for them or did they hear it and find it and get it from you to use it? How did that work? We actually wrote We Are One for uh, the men and women of the military. We've been fortunate enough to get to go 
overseas to the Middle East and to Japan and a few other places and play for the troops, which was just just an awe-inspiring experience for us that we were so fortunate to get to do. And uh, before we started doing all the overseas military stuff, we got to go out to Coronado in California and go to the Navy SEAL training facility and meet just some crazy human beings that like are just superhuman in in our minds you know the stuff they go through to become a navy seal and and stuff like that has always really intrigued us but we got to go meet some of these people and one guy in particular who i won't name but he was just like the coolest guy ever he was much older than us and he took us to like the uh the obstacle course and was doing one arm push-ups and took us to his house and got to meet his family and see his guitar collection. And uh, he gave us a book and the name of the book was the only easy day was yesterday. And it was about the training of the Navy SEALs and stuff. And that phrase just stuck in my head. So we got home from that trip and we were all just still so inspired that we were like, we got to write a song dedicated to the amazing men and women of the military who put their lives on the line for us every day. And to us, you know, we don't care if you're a cook in the mess hall cooking for everybody or if you're on the front lines. You know, the fact that you are willing to put yourself out there on behalf of all the other people in the country is just something something to be said for that. So we, we just wrote a song for them. And it's just about being a part of the military and, and being willing to sacrifice yourself for the good of others. And the WWE heard the song and wanted to use it for the group, the Nexus, because they were a group, more like a team of wrestlers. So it seemed to fit. And we got invited to go sit ringside at one of the events. And it was, it was insane, you know, see like we are one written on all these shirts all over the crowd. And, and to know that like the wrestler fans are just like some of the most off the wall, just crazy, awesome fans. Like, they take it to heart, you know, they're, they're screaming and booing and cheering, you know, so much. It's like to have that kind of fan base and to recognize our music and stuff was, was really cool. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. I, I meant that <laughs> with the utmost respect. My, my girlfriend and I went a few years ago we were in Memphis um, visiting some friends and, when we went to go see the Slammies as the guest of honor, we um, got to sit by Jerry Lawler and ended up meeting this guy who was a cameraman for the WWE. And every time he's in town, he hits me up. So we went and saw it. And my girlfriend, who doesn't know anything about wrestling, we had such a great time that we were out there and just living it up, just having a, having a blast. So, yeah, it's uh, like I was talking about the energy earlier. The energy in a wrestling arena for a big event is it's pretty unrivaled. I don't know. You know, it's it's up there with the energy for sure. Yeah, there's nothing like a live wrestling show. I'm really bummed out we can't go to those right now. But someday, maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. It'll be back. Or, you know, once, once everything calms down, hopefully we start to get a little bit of normalcy back in our lives. That would be nice. All right. So uh, I do have a bonus question for you. That's going to come a little bit later. But for now, I want you to talk about all, all about the new single just came out. Uh, well, as we're doing this, it came out a day ago, so I can't really ask you uh, how the response has been. It might not be fair to do that. But um, how did this come together? How did this, why is this the first one? Are we leading to an album? I want to know everything about it. 
Yeah, so the new single is called Sever, and it's it's really about just letting go of the things that hold you back from finding yourself and reaching your full potential. You know, the tagline of the song is it's it's time to sever the fear. And that's kind of like all of our songs, we try to find something negative and turn it into a positive, whether it's overcoming adversity, you know, finding your true self and being true to yourself. This song is no different. It's about, you know, like I said earlier in the interview, I, uh, I've had a bad problem with addiction for most of my adult life. And up two years ago, just, just made the decision to, to get sober and haven't had a drink or anything in two years. And, and it really opened my eyes to know that, you know, I felt alone and depressed and defeated all the time. And, and I know that there's so many people out there dealing with their own demons and dealing with their own shortcomings and, and setbacks that, you know, it's just nice to, when I would go talk to other people in the same situation for them to, to share in the empathy and the understanding of what it is to go through something, you know, whether it's an addiction and loss of a loved one, heartbreak, whatever it may be. It's nice to know that you're not alone in this type of situation. So this song is just about letting go of anything that keeps you from being your best self. And, you know, we try to put the energy out there, try to bring back a little old school 12 stone vibe with it. And uh, yeah, it's just the first of, we got a bunch of songs coming down the pipe. Uh, we're going to release one song at a time every month or so. And then once they're all out, then we're going to release it as a, a full album. And uh, we're just kind of, we're writing as we go. We're not, we don't have to have, you know, five songs that are specifically for a type of radio station. We don't have to have, we don't have to do anything. We can get in a room and when they're right, they're right. And we're going to put them out. You know, we're already well into the process. So we have four or five songs already that are pretty close to ready, but we're just slowly letting them out one at a time. And then we're going to put it out as a big, one big shebang. Oh man, I can't wait. I can't wait to play more of them. Um, yeah, we are going to, you won't hear the song, but everybody else will. Uh, we're going to do that now. But Paul, thanks for doing this, man. This was uh, an honor and a privilege. It was my pleasure, man. It's good that you reached out. You know, I'm always, I'm always looking for new, uh, new things to do. So it was my pleasure to, thanks for having me. Oh, fantastic. All right, friends, uh, stick around after the credits to hear what Paul says about the bonus question. I hope he answers correctly. But for now, this is, I can't believe I get to say this, this is the latest from 12 Stones. This song is called Sever. You're inside the Melting Pack on the Next Level Network. I could paint a perfect picture of the man I am supposed to be.
There you have it, 12 Stones with their latest Sever. My thanks to the band. My thanks to Paul McCoy for joining me. That was fantastic. The Meltic Pat, the Next Level Network. You got to improvise on the end a little bit. <laughs> but there you go. Oh, man, that was so fun. Oh, it was great. Thanks, Paul. The, uh, the one thing I wished I would have asked him, I thought about this this morning, is uh, what was it like to really deal with writing for a record label? But then I thought about it more, because at first I was like, oh man, should I ask him? But then I thought it, it actually makes more sense for me to talk about what they're doing now instead. So maybe, Paul, if you come back for part two, um, I kind of want to know about that. I want to know what it's like to have to deal with a record executive saying, hey, we need an album of, you know, 11 songs and four of them have to sound like this. I kind of want to, he alluded to it a little bit. Um, and I thought about pressing him, but then I decided, you know what? Let's just focus on what they're doing now. And it ended up being really fun. I thought, um, I learned a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. And, um, yeah, we went in a couple of different directions, but, uh, you know, I like how it turned out. I love how it turned It's one of the best interviews I think I've ever done. So yes, my thanks again, Paul McCoy and 12 stones for all of that. You can check them out, um, everywhere on social media at 12 stones that's the number 12 one two s-t-o-n-e-s and uh, 12stones.com get some merchandise some t-shirts a face mask i bought a face mask already and uh yeah so there you go they're rebranded they're back they're doing the thing and uh, more music from them coming down the line so very excited about all of that all right we did it we made it we made it out of the thing i can't believe it either but you know we did a lot today we did a lot today, and uh, geez, I still can't believe that really happened, that I really sat here in my studio 
and talk to Paul McCoy. That was, uh, man, that was insane. There you go. So we did it. We made it to the end of the thing. We covered a lot of ground, and we are out the other side to do other stuff. I don't know what I'm saying anymore, but that is, uh, that is our show. Oh, boy. I'm ever at the Melting Pat Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and .com. And I wrote recently a, uh, a baseball thing this week. So if you're into that, check it out. I revisited a pair of trays that the Phillies made a number of years ago because, well, I thought about it. And I was like, hey, this could be fun to write. And some people seem to enjoy it. So there you go. It's about Hunter Pence. So go check that out at the .com. You can also send a text or leave a voicemail, 209-867-7638, with your questions, comments, concerns, observations, and uh, corrections. Help me out. All right? All right. TheNextLevelNetwork.com for all of our lovely shows. They're all up there. TFD Nerdcast, Panels of Pixels. They are into the Umbrella Academy. And we are, I think, halfway through Season 2, so we are enjoying that so far. Um, the Spotlight with Ben Beck. Uh, let's see what lurks behind podcast zero i didn't write any of these down by the way but uh, there they are all up there uh, all those and more at the next level network.com also on facebook at the next level podcast network so go do the thing over there follow them so you know what's going on with all that stuff so i don't have to keep remembering to do this like no i don't know i'll do it i'll do it anyway uh, <laughs> so there you go oh boy i think that's all i gotta tell you i think uh, i think i have kept you long enough again after the credits you know the question, so hear his answer after G-Love. But for now, that is all, my friends. Thank you so much for hanging out. This has been an 8 Boiling production. So until next time, have fun. Be safe. Thank a veteran. Uh, wear a mask. There we go. I did it. And, of course, don't do anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> G-Love and Special Sauce with Cold Beverage. They're going to play us out as they always do. Philadelphonic.com for more from them. And that, my friends, is it. I love you. Stay safe. Don't be a dope. And I'll see you next time. All right, all right. You've been inside the Melting Pat here on the Next Level Network. Go crap open a cold one. Yo, could I get a cold beverage? I need some leverage. A sweaty outside, and lemonade would be nice. Of a spice from the shop to a VK. Got a vodka, a drink, but girls got the bait on the front board. I got some ice tea. If you like a taste of tea, then come along with me. Summertime is steaming, don't give me no bugs. Glass some ice and a dash of a mess, martini time. Yeah, yeah, feeling cold and bring your own beverage. It's me, so it's cold. I like cold beverage, yeah. I like cold beverage, yeah. I like cold beverage, yeah. From the fat and real good sounding Chocolate egg cream, yo, on ten cherry grounds And for a chill vibe, on two send my ride Wobbles to the right, they got beverages Inside of me, a hot coffee, then fill it up with ice Watermelon, it's like it's rain Please fix me a large slice Summertime is cool, the heat is getting old Yeah, I have a beverage, sweet, so it's cold Cold, 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 cold He's something from the bar Yeah, I like cold beverage, yeah I like cold beverage, yeah I'm feeling kind of party. Stick it in the fridge, stick it in the fridge, stick it in the fridge, stick it in the fridge. Stick it in the fridge, stick it in the fridge, stick it in the fridge, stick it in the fridge. Go girl, work the cold one. Go girl, work the cold one. What? Go girl, work the cold one. Go girl, work the cold one. Yo, when I'm fishing, let's go.
keep one thing clear The bait's over there, the brew's right here Two six packs and a big bag of ice to And even get a bite, but the brew tastes a nice back to the ball So every jack of reason a colada Need a whole lot of them food drinks They got some up on the monster, I'm the Kool-Aid kid Before you serve my drink, please stick it in the fridge Cause I like cool beverage, yeah. I like cool beverage, yeah. I like cool beverage, yeah. Uh-huh, I'm kinda thirsty, yeah. All right, Paul, you're not off the hook yet. Heard that. I have one more question for you. All I right. I ask this of all of my guests, and I do judge you based on your answer, so think carefully. <laughs> Fair enough. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. I'm so happy to hear you say that, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's a hot dog. It's its own entity. You know, it deserves the respect and solidarity of being its own thing, you know? I just, no, I instant answer. Oh my goodness. No Thank you so much. <laughs> this is what I've been trying to tell people. It's its own thing. It's, oh yeah. man. Yeah. I'm so don't glad to hear make, you say that. Don't try to make it into something it's not. Let it be what it is. It's, it's a hot dog, man. You can get it a million different ways, but at the end of the day, you're eating a hot dog, you're not eating a hot dog sandwich. That just makes no sense to me. Well, you're welcome back anytime. Well, wow, this is great. <laughs> I'm glad I passed the judgment test. That, that works out for me. <laughs> well, usually people launch into a whole thing like, well, what about this? What about this? I'm like, no, I like you got right to the point. There it is. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you think long, you think wrong. That's what I know from my years of playing poker. You just make the decision. It is what it is. You know, you can spin it any way you want, but the answer is no. A hot dog is just a hot dog and let it be what it is. You know, let it be its own little beautiful butterfly. It's going to be okay. Man, Paul McCoy, dropping the knowledge on him. Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> oh, man, thanks so much for doing this, man. This was awesome. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thank you.